If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So after a year, tonight, tonight, well, last week when we would have met, would have, would have marked one year of being preaching through the book of Colossians. And after a year of preaching on Colossians, here we've come to chapter 3 in our study. Brother Henry Mahan commented, and I like this, this could be called, this chapter, chapter 3 could be called the attitude and conduct of the believer. So Paul has been establishing, right, the foundational work of who Christ is, what he's done. He's laid that down for the Colossian believers. It's been evident that, that the all-sufficiency of Christ has been set before us. Set before us. The fact that there's salvation in no other. Now he's going to deal with the attitude and the conduct of life. Here it becomes, you know, here now we're going to flesh it out. Right? We're going to flesh out what we believe. So the attitude and conduct of the believer. Take a look at this. And, and for further study, you might want to jot this down. But, but look, at, look at how Brother Henry broke this down. This could be called the attitude and conduct of the believer as it deals with nearly every area of our life. Look at, and just write this down if you want. Verses 1 to 4 is our attitude towards the material world and spiritual things. Verses 1 to 4. Verses 5 to 9, our attitude towards sin and toward the flesh, toward the old man, and towards his deeds. And we'll look at these as we go through the, through, um, the chapter in this study of, of chapter 3. In verses 10 to 15, our attitude toward other people, both in the church and outside the church. In verses 16 to 17, our attitude towards the word of God, and towards worship, and towards the ministry of the word. And in the last eight verses, verses 18 to 25, as, as we journey through this chapter, we'll see our attitude towards those to whom we have been joined together in human relationships, our family members, our church members, our, our church family. And so this is going to reveal to us, too, our attitude and conduct. And Paul's, Paul's showing them, if you be risen with Christ, these are the, these, and we're going to see, this should be our attitude and conduct. This is what, similar to what Jean-Claude and I were talking about, transforming grace, right? If we're saved, our lives, we're, we're, we're transformed, right? We're new creatures in Christ. That's where the fruit of the Spirit is worked in us, right? We love those whom we didn't love before. We love the Word of God. We love the one who we didn't love before. It's transforming grace. It'll be manifested in our lives. It'll be manifested in our lives. And, I, and always I pray that this study will be a rich study for us and that the Holy Spirit will illuminate it for us. So we've seen in the, in the first two chapters again that Paul has set forth the preeminence of Christ and the all-sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ, both in, or, or in creation, in providence, and in salvation. So that's been evidently set forth in the first two chapters. And, and we'll be quick to give him all the glory, right, and praise. And we see Paul do that. He's quick to give all the glory and all the honor and all the praise to Christ. Because, why? Because he's the one who receives the preeminence, not the preacher, right? 
the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who receives all the preeminence, all of it, all of it. So last week, we looked at how the heretics, the false teachers, had a show of, or not last week, two weeks ago, a show of uh, wisdom in, in will worship, which was self-righteousness, right? The will worship was self-righteousness. And humility, we saw that that was false humility the last time we met together. And neglecting of the body, that was abstaining from certain things, to do certain things and not to do certain things. Right? And we see that in verses, uh, uh, verse 23. Which things indeed, which things in have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglect of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Okay. And all these things the false teachers were promoting for people to gain merit and favor with God. And we know from studying the scriptures that we cannot gain merit and favor with God by what we do. I know that's a nail I keep hitting, but that's, that's what we do. We preach against works-based religion. No matter what. Because we are wired. We are wired. We come into this world naturally wired for works. We do. Give a man something to do, he'll run to it. Tell him it's free grace, he'll, he'll run away from it. <laughs> he'll run away from it. Unless God makes him work. Unless God makes him work. So let's note again here in verse 20 of chapter 2, and we see the tie-in tonight with the preceding verses all the way from 20 all the way through the next chapter. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? And again, we looked at our study of verse 20, how we're crucified with Christ and how we're risen with Christ. And tonight's verse sets that before us, beloved. Look at our, look at our text. If ye then, if ye then, you who are dead with Christ, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So Paul brings forth before the Colossian believers the fact, now think of this, the fact, that they are raised with Christ. He's not doubting, is he? He's not doubting. If ye then be risen with Christ. Believers are raised with Christ. So he's bringing forth the, the fact, this is not a, a hypothetical situation. But beloved, this is a truth proclaimed. A truth, just as verse 20 of chapter 2. Wherefore, if ye were dead with Christ. Remember Paul said in Galatians, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So Paul was writing to Colossian believers, those who've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb on Calvary's cross. He's writing to those who have been identified in the death and resurrection of Christ. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. Those who have been identified in the death and resurrection of Christ. Romans chapter 6. We'll look at verses 2 to 11. He's writing to believers. And it's evident here. If ye then be risen with Christ. Who is risen with Christ? Believers. The elect of God. The elect of God. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 2 to 11. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, 
that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall, also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Remember Galatians, I'm crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is what? Oh, that is a marvelous verse. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Oh, my. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no, no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. And in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Christ's resurrection was a physical resurrection, wasn't it? Ours is a spiritual resurrection in him. In him. And think of this. We who believe have been raised from the spiritually dead deadness we were in. We've been raised. We've been raised to newness of life. Raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. Born again. And Christ said, ye must be born again. Ye, ye must be born again. And we looked at in chapter 2 that the believing Colossians were dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, right? We looked at that. They were buried with him in baptism. They were risen with him through faith in the operation of God, right? It's a, it's a work of the Holy Spirit of God. You were circumcised with the, with the circumcision made without hands. That's the new birth, beloved. We saw that we were not in bondage to traditions and doctrines of men. Therefore, Paul here sets before them and before us too. Remember this. This was written to, to the Colossian believers. Years and years, thousands of years, right? A thousand over a thousand. But it's for us here right now too. Isn't that amazing? It's set forth right before us. Paul here sets before them and us that which we are to seek to walk in the newness of life in Christ. We are to walk in the newness of life in Christ. And note the words in our text that we are to seek the things above. We are to seek the things above. Look at verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So we are to seek in the newness of life we have in Christ, we are to seek the things above. The things above. Weist, in the word studies in his Greek comments, says this, the things above be constantly seeking. In the Greek, it's be constantly seeking. Constantly seeking. The word things here, he says, is an empathetic position, contrasting the things above with those things the heretics were seeking out. See, Paul's contrasting what the heretics were seeking after, touch not, taste not, the rudiments of the world, and what the believer, what we're supposed to seek, the things above. Look to Christ. That's why the preacher always says, look to Christ. <laughs> look to him alone. Don't look to yourself. 
look to him. So Paul's pointing the Colossian believers to look to Christ, where he sits. Where is he right now? Where's Christ right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. See what Paul's doing? He's just pointing them right to him. Right to Christ. Right to Christ. And also, think of this. The false teachers tell you to look to what you do. Don't they? Any false teaching will tell you to look to what you do. What's Paul doing? Look at what Christ has done. Look at what he's done. Look to him. And, and what, do the, what does a believer in Christ do? Looks and lives. Right? And we just keep looking. We just keep looking. Just keep looking to Christ. So if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Christ is not only the, the object of our faith, but, beloved, he's the source of, of our life, isn't he? Both physical and spiritual. Therefore, we who believe are to keep our hearts and our minds fixed upon him. Fixed upon him. Therefore, we are to seek those things which are above. And Paul, having set the union between Christ and the believer before the Colossians, which he did in the, preceding, or the chapter before, shows them that they are to seek no other but him. No other but him. If you are one who has been crucified with Christ, one who has died with Christ, one who has risen with Christ, one who has been redeemed by his precious blood, one who is born again by the Holy Spirit of God, one who has been raised with Christ, one who is seated with Christ in the heavens, if you are a child of God, if you are one who hath by faith received the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are no longer fleshy people. You're spiritual people. Therefore, the following will be true and will be a desire. We will desire to seek things above. We will desire to seek And again, for we who believe, just look back before the Lord saved you, what you used to seek. <laughs> it's not the same, is it? Not the same. Now we desire Christ. Now we desire Him. So we are to seek these things which are from above. Here are a few points. We seek not just giving a mental assent to these things either, but we seek these things if, if we're risen with Christ. So if you're risen with Christ, then you'll be seeking this, the pardon of sin. Pardon of sin. You'll seek a sincere fellowship with the living God. And these things are things we continue to seek. Even though we know we have, we have a pardon of sin, what, what are we to do when we sin? If, if, if we're sin, we're, we're to confess our sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are to seek an, an, an assurance of our salvation and our interest in Christ. Make your election and calling sure. We are to seek, and 
And if you're risen with Christ, you will be seeking the life of Christ to be manifest in you. By His work. You will be seeking the fruit of the Holy Spirit, knowing that it's Him that has to work it. But we still seek it, don't we? You seek to be desiring a growth in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to learn about Him? We do, don't we? That's why we come to hear the gospel preached. We desire for the Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us. And we can hear a text. We can hear a text a hundred times. And in one day, the Lord just light it up for us. And it's marvelous. It's marvelous. Wonderful. If you're risen with Christ, you'll be seeking to have a part in the resurrection of the dead. As Paul said, that I might attain the resurrection of the dead. And we will be seeking, not just agreeing, but seeking eternal glory in heaven. Oh, my. I ask you, beloved. We're anxious, aren't we, to be in glory with our Lord. Oh, my. And these are just a few, just a few of the things that the believer diligently seeks for. And, and they all find, note, note, they all find their end in Christ. They all find their end in Him. And this is where Paul points the Colossian believers. He points them right to Christ. The Lord's kingdom is not of this world. We seek a better country, don't we? We seek a better country. We seek a heavenly country. We seek to be in the, in the Lord's presence. Psalm 17:15 says this, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. In righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. We're being conformed to the image of Christ, beloved. And when we dwell here upon this earth, we're in a strange country, beloved. We're in a strange country, all the time looking for a better country. All the time looking for a better country. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, beloved, we have a lively hope, a great hope that's founded in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we keep looking to Him. And we know one day we will be in glory with Him. 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us, again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Heaven is a better country, beloved. Look at Hebrews 11, verses 9 and 10. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Hebrews 11, verses 9 and 10. Oh, we seek a better country. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Oh, we seek a better country, beloved, where our inheritance is incorruptible and undefiled. Oh, my. We seek Christ in His righteousness, don't we? We seek Christ in His righteousness. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. 
Philippians chapter 3. And we know from Ephesians 1.3 that all spiritual blessings are in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We, we look to Christ and Him alone. We look to Him alone. And this is where Paul is pointing. He's pointing the Colossian believers there to Christ, to look to Christ. Look at Philippians 3, 9 to 11. And be found in Him, in Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is, is of God by faith, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul was seeking to attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Knowing that it wasn't based upon his works, but he's continually looking to Christ. He's continually seeking him. My. And we are to seek all spiritual blessings in Christ. And again, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is not of this world, is it? The only reason this world still exists you know, the only reason this world still exists is because there are some of the Lord's sheep that are still lost. That's the only reason the world still exists. Because, because there's some of the Lord's sheep that, that are still lost that have not yet been delivered from the power of darkness. But oh, when it's all finished. Oh my. And we know that those lost sheep, we know, we know that those lost sheep shall be found, right? They shall be. There is no doubt. They shall be found. He found us, didn't he? He found us. The way some folks talk in religion, you think God can't find his sheep, but we know he will find his sheep. He'll find them all. Everyone he, everyone he poured his blood out for, that he shed his blood on Calvary's cross, they shall be found. And we know that, that those lost sheep, by God's authority, by God's decree, will be drawn in and not one of them will be lost. Not one of them will be lost. And this is my Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all he hath given me, I should lose nothing. There's eternal security. There's a, out with the rubbish that folks say you can lose your salvation. <laughs> that of all which he hath given me, I should lose Nothing. Oh my God. Aren't you thankful your salvation is not dependent upon you, but it's dependent upon Christ and Him alone? But should raise it up again at the last day. The lost sheep which have not been found will be found, and they will be delivered, and they will be bought into a living union with the true and living God, our exalted Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who purchased them with his own precious blood on Calvary's cross. And this is the one who Paul tells us to set our minds upon. Set our minds upon the, the one who is our blessed surety. The one who has redeemed his people with his own blood. The one who has all power and authority in heaven and rules and reigns right now. We are to set our minds, set our thoughts upon him. On him. So when storms come and they will and they swirl, don't they? They do in our lives. We're to set our minds upon Christ and Him alone. 
Look again at our text. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And let us think on our wonderful Savior. Let us set our minds upon Him. Let us think of our wonderful Savior. He is Jesus Christ, the God. Jesus Christ, the God-man. He is the blessed and only potentate. He is the King of kings. And He is the Lord of lords. And He is seated right now. Our text says here, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He is seated on the eternal throne. Right now. Right now. And earth is His footstool. That's our Savior. That's our God. And let us ponder this as we seek the things above, that the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ is established forever and ever and ever. It's spoken of in the Old Testament and in the New. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 45 and then put your finger in Hebrews 1.8. This throne is spoken of. Oh, his throne. It's an everlasting throne, beloved. And think of this. This is the one who keeps us. This is the one who's redeemed us. This is the one who the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember on Sunday we saw in Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah got a glimpse of who he was? (laughs) He was eating dirt, wasn't he, after that? Right in his face, right? That's how we are, too. When we get a glimpse of our Savior, we just get a glimpse through the Word of God. Look at Psalm 45, verse 6. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. That means it has no end. No end. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. The king held a scepter in his hand. Oh, he has such power, beloved. And then turn over to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. Look at this. In Psalm 45, I'll read it again as you're turning to Hebrews 1, 8. Psalm 45. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. And look at Hebrews 1, 8. Look at this. But unto the Son he saith. And remember what he said in Psalm 45, 6? Thy throne, O God. Look at this. But he saith, but unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God incarnated the flesh. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Do you see when we set our minds upon who he really is? It fills us with awe. He's God. He's God. And if he's revealed himself to you, give him all the praise and glory. Why? This is who he is. This is who scripture declares he is. The Lord Jesus Christ, thy throne, O God, is forever. So if his throne is forever, and he sits upon the throne, and I'm saved, I I died with him, and I'm raised with him, again, that's eternal security. Because our salvation is in Him. In Him alone. The one whose scriptures declare, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. 
is a scepter of thy kingdom. Let us remember, beloved, as we ponder these precious truths about our great Redeemer, that again this world is not our home. It's not our home. God's people confess that we are pilgrims and sojourners. We're just passing through this world, aren't we? On the way to our heavenly home. We're just passing through. In our life, Brother Chet was mentioning, I thought it was really neat, Chet, as we were talking today, and Brother Chet was mentioning that he was outside the other night and he looked over and he, he let that breath out and the vapor went out. Well, that's what our lives is like, too, though. It goes out and then it's gone. We're just sojourners. We're just pilgrims. We're just passing through, beloved, on the way to our permanent abode in heaven where we will see our King face to face. Oh, my. We are just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who were heirs of promise. All of us who are heirs of promise look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Right? We look, we look to be in glory with our Christ, with our Lord and Savior. We looked at it in Hebrews 11. And again, Abraham looked for that permanent abode in heaven, didn't he? That's what we look for, too. We look to Christ. We look to him. And all Abraham's hopes and all Abraham's expectations upon the world to come were centered in Christ. And his faith rested in Christ. Rested in Christ alone. Oh my, what a great God we have. And since his faith was centered upon Christ, it moved him to obey Christ. It moved him, right? The love of Christ constrains us from sin, doesn't it? Oh, we seek our Savior. And so let us remember this, beloved of God, that our God has given us richly all things to enjoy. He's given us richly all things to enjoy, hasn't he? We don't sink our roots in here, do we? We don't sink our roots into this world. No. We're just passing through. We're just passing through, beloved. Everything we see with the physical eye, think of this. The reason we don't dig our roots in here is everything we see with the physical eye, everything is going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end. The things of this life, beloved, are temporal. And let us remember, this includes our heartaches. This includes our trials. This includes our pain. They're all temporal. Well, we live on this earth. And all the sorrows of it will soon be like our, uh, like our lives. All those heartaches, all those trials will soon be just like our lives. A vapor gone. And we'll be with our Savior. We were to set our minds upon those things. Set our minds upon those things. So our text here admonishes us to seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. In this verse, in the next, the next three, the, this verse and the next three, they stir up the believer to focus on the true end of our walk here on this earth. The true. Let's look at this. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, right, 
on things above, not on the things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Oh, my. So we are to focus. The, the, our, our verse tonight, and in, in, in all the way to four, stir up the believer to focus on the true end of our walk here. The true end of our walk, which is we will be in glory with, with our Lord. And our Lord and Savior dwells in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is the true end of our faith, to be in the presence of our Lord and to worship Him and to adore Him for eternity. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now seeking here implies labor. And this has nothing to do with our salvation because our salvation is in Christ and Him alone. It was all accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ, our salvation. But here before us in our text is an exhortation to not set our minds upon the things of the earth, to not set our hearts and our minds on the thing, but, but to set our hearts and the minds on the things of Christ and Him alone who dwells above. Now think of this. If we're, if we're setting our minds on things above, on, on things of Christ, where are our eyes not looking? I have to remind myself all the time. <laughs> look to Christ. Just look, because if I'm looking to Him, I'm not looking. Now, I, I'm, I'm not saying we're ignoring those things. But we're not going to let them consume us, are we? Oh my! And I have to—I'll tell you—I have. This is speaking to me. <laughs> my. Oh my. And this requires diligent spiritual effort. One commentator said on our part, and this is spiritual effort that we do not have in our unregenerate state. Let us ponder this: the same power that regenerated us. The power of the Holy Spirit of God is the same power that enables us to see the things above, to set our minds upon Christ, to set our hearts upon Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of his sheep, sought us out when we were sheep that had gone astray. He sent his Spirit into our hearts. He moved us to diligently seek him. And beloved, he continues to work on us that which is well-pleasing in his sight. He works in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight. When his children seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of, the, of God, this pleases the one who loved us and gave himself for us. When we come to worship service, it takes diligent spiritual effort to rid our, world, our minds of worldly thoughts, doesn't it? It does. It does. And, and worldly concerns. Spiritual effort can only be accomplished by God's Spirit working in us. Working in us. And by our sincere prayer for Him to rid our minds of those things that would distract us from worshiping Him. We come to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. What? We seek comfort, don't we? We seek comfort. 
we, we seek direction from God through the preaching of His Word. And we do it, we do it sincerely. It's, it's like the manna that fell every day. Right? The manna was new every day. Right? Oh, we seek it. We seek it through the preaching of His Word. Fresh manna. Fresh manna. I remember one old saint tell me the manna that fell yesterday wasn't, wasn't for today. That's why the manna had to be fresh every day. Oh, I, I'll never forget that. That's why we, we seek Him. Set your mind on things above. We diligently seek Him each day. Each day. Fresh manna. Fresh manna. And we get fresh, fresh manna when the gospel's preached. When the gospel's preached. We are to seek those things which have eternal value, which are the truths of God's gospel. Our minds are fixed upon Christ and his gospel, fixed on Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. Again, our text says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Turn, if you would, to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And we looked at earlier in our study tonight that our Lord is, is upon a sovereign throne, isn't he? He's a God who rules and reigns upon a sovereign throne, and that throne is fixed. That's an everlasting throne. It will never be moved. What a, what a great God we serve. What a great God we have. Look at Matthew 26, verses 63 and 64. Matthew 26, verses 63 to 64. Look at this. But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, thou hast, thou hast said, nevertheless I say unto you, hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So our king said he would sit upon the right hand of power. And that's where Paul's telling the Colossian believers, you set your mind upon him. You set your mind upon him. Ponder this. Look at these words. Look at these words of the Master in this verse. Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now think on this. Every single human being will one day see the Son of Man sitting in the right hand of power and they will either see him as their Savior or they will see him as their judge. And note the chilling words. Note this though. Note the chilling words here to the religious leaders who have by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God took Christ and had him crucified. Look at these chilling words. Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Oh, my. Oh, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is prophesied in the Old Testament. In Psalm one. 1.10.1, it says this, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And it's fulfilled in the New Testament in Hebrews 12.2 where it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we see, we see that this is, a, this is something that's written about continuously in the New Testament that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And beloved, we who believe on Christ, we worship God in spirit and in truth, don't we? In spirit and in truth. Turn, if you would, 
to John chapter 4, verse 24, and then put your finger back in our text. And then we'll close with a few words after that. Look at John chapter 4, verse 24. All we who believe, we worship God in spirit and in truth. And we seek, we seek those things which are above, don't we? Look at this. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him, what? In spirit and in truth. Oh, you must be born again. And the truth is in the Word. And who is the truth? Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul has pointed the Colossian believers. Let's go back to our text. Paul has pointed the Colossian believers to Christ. And he has told them to seek the things which are above. And we see in our text, we see in the next verse also in our text that we are to set our, our affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Look at Colossians 3 verse 1 though. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And then the next verse says, set your affection on things, on things above, not on the things on the earth. Here are a few more things that we are to seek. We are to seek those things that make our calling and election sure. Search the Scriptures. Make your calling and election sure. We are to seek those things that Flood our souls with peace and joy, which for the believer is the things of Christ. The things of Christ. We are to seek Christ in His righteousness under the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that righteousness is imputed to us who believe in Him, that we who believe. Oh, but it's in Christ. Again, you see, everything's in Christ. We are to seek or ponder. Those things which, which our Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Ponder. Ponder through the week. Those things which Christ accomplished for you while he was living on this earth. Just ponder that. He fulfilled the law. He really, literally fulfilled the law in my place. It'll bring you joy. It'll bring you joy. Oh my. And we are to seek those things that bring glory and honor to our great, majestic God. And we are to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is He is the one, He is the only one who we have salvation in. We are to keep our eye of faith upon Him. We are to keep our eye of faith upon Him and not let anything move us away from the hope of the gospel. Someone says something, Keep my eyes on Christ. Something, someone offends you? I'm going to keep my eyes on Christ. Just keep focused upon Him. Just keep focused upon Him. Not let anything move us away from the hope of the gospel. And Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God right now. Right now. Right this second. Next second, and all the way into eternity. <laughs> He's on a fixed throne, isn't he? Seated at the right hand of God as our great high priest. And think of that. He's seated at the right hand of God as our great high priest right now. He's interceding for you and I. For you who believe. Oh, what a God. 
What a Savior. Interceding for all his chosen, blood-bought people who he purchased on Calvary's cross. And let us remember this. Let us ponder this. He's the only mediator between God and man. He's the only one God ever sent. And you who believe are accepted in him. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it fill your heart with joy? And think of this. This will give us hope for our family members because he saved us, right? But he's able to save to the uttermost, those who come to God by him. Right? He'll not turn one away, will he? He'll not turn one away. All who come to him, he saves. And as our sovereign Lord, let us remember this. Now let us remember this as we see things go on, as trials come into our lives, that as our sovereign Lord, our King, that he's working all things after the counsel of his own will, making sure that all things, think of this, now think of this, not just in our lives. And I, I mentioned this on Sunday, and, and I've been thinking about it even more. Not just the things in our lives, but for everything in this whole world and this universe is all working, all working according, all working according to the counsel of his own, of his own will. And then for his people, they're all working for our good. And for his glory. Everything. Down to the down to the little insect or the or the, the organism that we can't even see. Think of that. It's all working for our good and for his glory. So let us set our hearts and minds upon our great God and King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may God the Holy Spirit give us grace and strength to do so, to keep our minds upon him, to set our minds upon the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And God's people will say amen right now. Oh, we desire that, don't we? We desire that. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before thy throne. We pray that you would help us to seek the things above, to not, not set our, our minds upon the things of this world, but oh, help us, Lord Jesus, to seek the things above, to seek the things of you, Lord Jesus, to set our affections upon thee. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love thee and give you all the praise and glory because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.